So uh, are you excited about the Word of God this morning? Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Do you have your Bibles with you? Come on, grab your Bible in your hand. Grab your Bible in your hand. Okay, I want you to say after me, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. Now, come on, give the Lord a shout. Come on. Make heaven happy and make the devil scared. Amen. All right. Okay, now, I've got a question for you this morning. I've got a topic that I'm wanting to preach on that'll be a great help to you. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever watched or been involved with an extensive renovation of a house? Yeah? Maybe you've renovated a house yourself personally. Or maybe you've seen people renovate houses on TV. Someone buys a broken down old house. They gut it. They completely gut it and remove all the interior. They replace all the stuff inside it and rebuild it. Yeah? It's an incredible thing. I, I, I love watching that happen. And uh, maybe a few of you have, uh, have already been involved with that sort of thing personally yourselves. But uh, let me tell you this morning that one of the most powerful pictures in Scripture about the people of God is that we are the house of God, and God is building us. Do you know that this morning? We are the house of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, He purchased our lives. The Holy Spirit came into our lives, and with that He starts a work in our life of radical renovation. Radical renovation in our lives. You see, God has got a building project underway, and that building project is you and I. So tell the person next to you, God is building your life. Some of you are already, you can know where I'm going because as, as exciting as that may sound, any of you who have been involved with the renovation know that as while the end product is great, it's a messy process. It is a messy process. It's dirty. It's hard work. There's a lot of chaos going on. I renovated my house and I know that there were times that I thought, oh my word, what have I started? Why did I ever go down this track? Yeah? And you see, that's very similar to our lives. God is starting and is working a process of radical renovation in our lives. And sometimes it gets messy. You see, right at the beginning of the year, there was a prophetic word that God said, stretch out. I want you to grow. I want to build. And so right through the beginning of this year, right through to now, Pastor Mike has been working with dealing with issues of shame, issues of identity. There's been a work going on to renovate the house of our lives. And there's a a brilliant quote from C.S. Lewis who describes this process. And I, I love it, so I'm going to read it to you. It's out of mere Christianity, and it says, Imagine your C.S. Lewis was a writer of the Narnia series, you know, and uh, 
uh, one of the most outstanding Christian thinkers of, of all time. And he says, imagine yourself as a living house. That's what you and I are. We're a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house around in a way that hurts abominably. Uh And does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a wing here, putting on an extra floor here, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. I I love that. God is building a palace. He's building your life and my life into a palace. Yeah. Now, how many of you can relate to that, that situation where he says, it begins to hurt abominably? Yeah? You thought you were doing all right until, and, and the Holy Spirit says, yeah, fine, son, fine, daughter, you're doing well. But uh, let, me, let me just deal with that issue of, of unresolved shame in your life. Uh, let, me, let me deal with those, those issues of anger in your life. Son, you, you're doing great. But let me help you out with that, that fear issue or that self-pity. And you get through that and you think, oh, God, thank you. Uh, uh, great. Deal with that stuff. You work away on that. And then he says, now, daughter, I, wa- I want you to work on this, this identity deal. You know, I want you to take on the identity of Christ. I want you to deal with the victim mentalities. I want you to deal with this. And about then you realize that this renovation work that God is doing in your life is a big job. Yeah? Tell the person next to you, it's a big job. (laughs) And the risk here is is that we can become completely overwhelmed with how far we've got to go. Completely overwhelmed with all the stuff that God's doing in our lives and how, how far we've got to go, overwhelmed by the, the mess that there is, and think, why did I ever start? You see, there is a powerful force that resists the work of God's building in our lives. It's an enemy that stands in the way of every one of us who wants to pursue the best that God has for our lives. It's an enemy that I've dealt with and deal with uh, like on a regular basis, okay, like really recently. Okay, so I'm preaching out of heartfelt experience this morning, yeah. I've had many encounters with this enemy, and I'm sure you will have. Let me name that enemy. This particular enemy is called discouragement, discouragement. And today, I'm going to bring you some encouragement, I'm going to bring you some encouragement from the Word of God on how to identify the doorways that that sneaky, nasty, slimy thing gets in your life, and then how to stomp the life out of it when it does get there, okay? All right? So we're going to have some practical keys on how to defeat discouragement, because as I've been talking with people this week, I've realized that I'm not the only one who's struggled with this thing, eh? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Every one of us. Every one of us struggles with discouragement at times. If you're not struggling with it currently, there will be a time that you will. So listen up. Okay, so to help us with this and get some insight into the building process of God, how God builds a life, how God defeats the enemy of discouragement, I want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah in particular, chapter 4. See, the book of Nehemiah records the efforts of a man called Nehemiah, okay, to assist the Jews to rebuild the walls of defense around the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah comes to a people who have been given a fresh start at life. They've been reconnected with God, but they are repeatedly embarrassed by their inability to fully live out their potential, a lot like you and I, I mean. Okay, these people, to these people, Nehemiah brought authority to rise up and overcome their condition, to defeat their enemies, and to fully live out what God had called them to do. And you and I can learn a great deal from that. You see, the incredible thing is, is that the, the name Nehemiah means the consoling breath or the spirit of God. Nehemiah is a picture in the Old Testament of how the Holy Spirit comes alongside the life of the believer, comes into the life of the believer, partners with them, helps them to overcome and defeat every enemy, and go on to live an empowered life. Someone say amen. Yeah, so in this book, we get an illustration of how the Holy Spirit helps us and our weaknesses, how He rebuilds the parts of our lives that have been ruined by sin, And leads us on into victorious living. So Nehemiah chapter 4. And so by the time we get there, there's been a lot of work going on already by the time we get to chapter 4. In fact, by now they're at the halfway stage. The wall has been completely joined up together. They've built it up to half its height already. They've overcome a lot of opposition. They've come a long way. In fact, that's a lot like you and I. We've come a long way, haven't we? Now, tell the person next to you, you come a long way. <laughs> you see, you may not be all that you want to be right now, but thank God you're a lot different to how you used to be. And the person alongside you said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so let's read what happens in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10. Do you have it there now? Okay, now I'm going to read to you verses 10 to 12. And it says, In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we're not able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. Now, if you were looking for a single word to describe what's going on here, what would you say? You'd say that they were overwhelmed. You'd say that they were disheartened. You would say that they were discouraged. In this short passage, you see five doorways through which discouragement can enter into our lives. And I know that if you're dealing with discouragement right now, it will have snuck in through one of those five doorways. So we've got to learn how to identify those doorways and close them off. Because if you close off the doorways, you'll have to spend less time fighting the sneaky thing when it gets in. Okay? So better to shut it out in the first place. The first doorway is fatigue. Fatigue. It says the strength of the laborers is failing. They had been working hard. They were so tired that they were stumbling with exhaustion. Why do people get discouraged? They get discouraged because of tiredness, 
plain old tiredness, nothing spiritual about it. It's just working too long, working too hard, and, and, or playing too hard and doing dumb things, eh? All right. <laughs> if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're opening a doorway for discouragement. You can't work seven days a week. You just can't do it. Well, you can for a season, but after a time, it begins to exact a price on your life. Tiredness opens a door. Fatigue opens a door in your life to discouragement. Make sure you see that in the plan of God, there was a rest day built in. There was a rest day built in to the, to the very plan of God and creation. God worked for six days. And in those six days, he created heaven and earth and everything that's in it. And on the seventh day, he rested. He rested. Why did he rest? Was God tired? No, of course not. Did, did God need a break? Was he just tapped out after that? No, he wasn't. He left that as a model for us saying, guys, this is how I've set creation up. Don't ignore this. I've set this up so that you can have a rest, have a break. Yeah, work and rest. It's a process in life. Don't ignore the rest. Rest is important. If you're too busy to have a day to go to church and worship God, too busy to set aside a day that you can set aside from all the rest of your busy stuff, then you're too busy. Yeah? Apart from being utterly boring, you're too busy. Okay? (laughs) All right. The second doorway is frustration. And you can hear the cry of the people, and they say, there is too much rubble. There's just too much. They were doing their best to get the job done, but all the rubbish was getting in the way. All the rubbish was there. They were frustrated, and the frustration led to a loss of perspective. Get this. They were halfway through the project already. They had done an incredible thing. Already halfway through there, but they lost sight. They lost sight of their progress because their eyes were on the rubbish. That lost sight of their goal. Have you ever been caught in a job that just seems to go on forever? You work hard, and when you turn your back for one minute, it's like all your work has been undone. I know that every housewife will be able to relate to the fact that uh, you tidy up a room, you step out of it, minute you step out of it, your three-year-old steps into it and wreaks destruction like this world has never seen. They destroy it. You know, you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to the fact that you've been caught in a job that just seems to go on and on and on forever. Maybe the whole, the whole fighting against and, and dealing with the internal issues of your life, you say, God, when does this ever end? There's just... Too much rubbish in my life. You see, then you will understand frustration and you'll know that discouragement is right behind it. You see, if all you can see is rubbish and chaos in your life, there is an open doorway to discouragement. The third doorway is what I call failure thinking. The workers say, we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. How do you know that discouragement has got a hold on you? By the words you speak, by the thinking that you're, th- the thoughts that you're thinking, it goes along like this. I can't do it. It's useless. I'll never complete this. I should have never started this. 
It can't be done. There's no way. I'm too tired. I just can't go on. I'm going to quit. How many of you can relate to having thoughts like that going on in your life or even having said those things, yeah? You know what I'm saying? Every one of us here have said that sort of stuff in the past. You know that discouragement has got a hold of you when you say things like that. I went for a run really early, really early yesterday morning, and I had discouragement chasing me all the way down the street. It was dark, and it was cold, and uh, you know what was going on in my head? It was, go back to bed, fool. (laughs) What do you think you're doing? Go back to bed. Uh, And you know it was an attractive thought. But if you've got go back to bed thoughts going through your mind continually, if you've got I can't do this thoughts going through your heads continually, you've got a battle with discouragement. Close the door. Close the door. Failure and negativity begins in our hearts and then becomes a pattern in our thinking and then comes out our mouths as a prophecy that defines our future. You do not want that to happen. Learn to guard your heart from negativity. Pay attention to what you're thinking, to what you're saying. Learn to shut this down with confession, with prayer, with renewing your mind. Okay, now the next doorway. Next doorway is fear. The enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. The name of this doorway is fear. And they had been listening to the enemy plant fear in their hearts and their lives. Fear is a tormenting spirit that paralyzes people from action and following God. Fear can take a hold of our lives in a number of forms, but its result's always the same. It hinders us from fully following Christ. Yeah? Now, is there a fear operating in your life today? Maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's a fear of change, a fear of rejection, a fear of criticism. Oh, I, I couldn't do that. What would people think? What would people think? I, I can't give that a go. What if I, what if I failed? Well, I'm, I might embarrass myself. I could never speak in front of people because it might be embarrassing. Maybe you're afraid of people. You see, fear will not only paralyze you spiritually from doing anything, it will also open a doorway in your life to discouragement. You want to close that doorway. One last doorway, and, and uh, this is an interesting thing. You look at verse, 13, uh, verse 12, and it says, At that time, at that time, the Jews who lived near them, near who? Near the enemy, came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. These people were Jews. They were the people of God. But they were living next to the enemy. They were living close to the enemy. And fifth doorway in our life is allowing access to your life with compromised people. Compromised people. These people, they, were, they had the name of the people of God. They were the Jews. Yet they were living with the enemy. They weren't involved with the work of God. But they were, and they were happy to come to the workers who were involved with the work of God and say, hey, come on, don't take this too seriously. You're, you're rocking the boat. Give up and come and hang out with us because you're going to get in trouble. I've heard the enemy. I've heard what they're going to do. You want to give up this work. This is, this is crazy stuff. Let it go. Stop rocking the boat. 
You're doing too much for the church. Ease up a bit. You're taking this Christianity thing way too seriously. Yeah? How many of you have heard people say that sort of stuff to you? Yeah, again, probably most of us. And maybe some of you have said that to someone else. Okay? Well, with their negativity, they kept on drip, drip, dripping away at the workers. Ten times it said they came back. Ten times they kept on going. So let me tell you straight this morning, if you're wanting to pursue all that God has for your life, don't allow access to your life to everyone. Now, that doesn't mean that you be unkind to people, but it does mean that you be straight to them and say, hey, enough. I don't want to hear that stuff anymore. I myself have chosen to follow Christ. I myself have chosen to be involved with the work of God. I myself have chosen that. If you want to come along with me, then great. Otherwise, don't knock it, okay? Don't knock it. Put a stop to it. Close it off. You don't have to listen to everyone on everything. You don't have to be a, a, a garbage dump for someone to back their truck up and dump it onto your life. Don't let them do it. Yeah. Okay. Now, those are the doorways that discouragement slimes its way into our lives. That's how it gets in. You know, I, I can be sure that if you're dealing with discouragement right now, there'll be one of those things. You're just flat out overtired. Or you're frustrated and lost sight of the progress that you've really made. Or you've got this failure thinking going on saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. Or there's a fear. Or you've allowed compromised people to dump their rubbish on your life. You're dealing with discouragement right now. That will be one of the doorways. And dealing with this slimy thing, you know, close the doorways. That's the first thing. But it's interesting, it's interesting once it got there to look at how the Holy Spirit, how Nehemiah dealt with this, how he dealt with this spirit once it had come up. And you look what he did. In verse, in verse 13, it says, Nehemiah said in four, chapter, uh, chapter 4 and verse 13, so, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in the open places, I stationed people by their clans, by their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Nehemiah didn't keep on doing the same thing. He stopped. He didn't ignore the warning signs. He took action. Do you know what the definition of insanity is? It's to keep on doing the same thing and expect a different result. Yeah? It's to keep on doing the same things and think you're going to get it somehow that something different is going to happen. That's insanity. Nehemiah said, no. All right. Discouragement is happening. We're going to mix things up here. We're going to change things. If you want to defeat discouragement, reorganize your life. That's what Nehemiah did here. He paid attention to the warning sign on the dashboard of his life. And he said, guys, we're going to reorganize Reorganize. He moved the people around and brought them, brought, them a place, brought them to places where they could work more effectively. When discouragement sets in, don't quit. Nehemiah didn't quit. He didn't say, you're right, guys. You're right. This job is, this job is too much. Now, it was crazy to do this. Let's, let's just give up and hang out here for a while. What, what on earth was possessing us to start this project? He didn't do that. He said, no, the goal is right. 
the, the dream is right, how we're going about it needs to be changed and reorganized. So don't give up on your goals, but ask, Holy Spirit, show me a better way of doing this. Show me a better way of doing this. Sometimes we can bang our heads on a wall for so long that we get a headache. But if we would lift up our heads for a few moments and say, God, I need a better way. You find that there's a way around the wall. You don't have to bang on it with your head, but you can walk around it. Someone say amen. Yeah? So talk to your small group leader. Talk to your equipping track leader and ask them. So I'm struggling with discouragement. I'm struggling with fatigue. Help me to reorganize my life. What, give me some outside perspective on this to help, help me sort this out. Reorganize your life around God. Rest was God's idea. There's nothing evil about rest. Rest is okay. Tell the person next to you, rest is okay. Now, some people think that that's a rest from God. They take a rest from God. They take a rest from church. That's not what that's meaning. Not at all. It means a rest from the busy stuff in your life. And it means a time to push in to God. You see, God built rest and worship into creation. And whatever is going on in your life, make it your priority. Make it your priority to get to church and spend time with God in worship. See, even Jesus took his disciples aside for a rest. Rest is okay. Reorganize your life to get the rest you need. Switch the TV off. Switch the TV off. Go to bed early. You never know what it will do for your marriage. Hey? You might even help Steve out with the population growth in the kids' church. Who knows? <laughs> Go for a walk, hang out on the beach, take up a sport, do something. Change. Get some rest. Okay, defeating, defeating discouragement. You know what? I made two, two decisions this year, okay? Last year, I'll be honest, I finished the year flat out stuffed discouraged. I said, I ain't doing this. I ain't doing another year like this. I made two decisions last year. I said, one, I'm going to spend more time in prayer. Two, I'm going to start exercise. And I tell you, I hadn't done anything for, yeah, come on. <laughs> I hadn't done anything for 20 years, and it was a shock to my body. I got Bruce Arnold to thank me for it. And it was, I tell you, you know, it was a good decision. I haven't dealt with this um, discouragement stuff anywhere near as much as I had to last year. Thank God. Eh? So rest and recreation. Come on. Tell the person next to you, you need to rest up and you need to get some recreation going on in your life. <laughs> All right. You like that, eh? Okay, how to defeat and disarm this thing. The second thing you do, you look what Nehemiah did. He reconnected the people. He reconnected to people. If you want to disarm and defeat discouragement in your life, you need to reconnect with people. You see, he put the people according to their clans, by their families. He organized the people because we are social creatures. We need relationship. God created us for relationship. We need supportive relationships to defeat discouragement. 
were created for it in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 4, in verses 9 to 12. It's a it's powerful scripture. It says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil, for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Get connected, people. Get connected to a relational network of people you know and they know you. It's possible to be in a congregation like this and no one even know you. Or yeah, they might know your name, but they don't know you. Make sure you're in a relational network. You know, if you haven't completed the equipping track, get in it. Get involved in it. If you have completed the equipping track, then get in a small group. See Pastor Cecilia today. Don't leave it till tomorrow. Do it today and say, I want to do something about this now. I want to do something about this now. And I love this. Next thing, defeating discouragement. I love this. In verse 14, this is you know, this is one of my most inspirational scriptures because I love this. It's a picture of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. In verse 14, it says, Nehemiah, I looked and I arose and I said to the nobles and to the officials and rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sisters, your daughters, your wives and your homes. I don't know of any other more powerful, more inspirational speech to people outside of Braveheart where he's saying, freedom. Yeah, I love it. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. If you want to defeat discouragement in your life, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. The people had got discouraged because they had forgotten about how great God was. Their eyes were on the rubbish and the chaos of their lives. And they had forgotten how great God was. You see, if all you're seeing is rubbish and problems, it's time to refocus your life on the greatness of God. And you might be having a difficult time right now, but let me tell you, I've seen the end of the book we win. We win, people. We win. Yeah. Oh, come on, there's got to be more people who are excited about that. Eh? Come on. <laughs> See, remember the Lord is a call to refocus your life on the goodness and greatness of God. Remember the Lord. You see, there's a principle in life that what you look at changes you. You become what you look at and what you focus your life on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding, okay, beholding, looking at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Say to the person next to you, the same image. The same image. From one degree of glory to another. But this comes from the Lord. You see, when you focus your life on the rubbish, your life becomes transformed by that. When you focus your life on the greatness and awesomeness of God, your life becomes changed to become like His. Like His. How much time do you think spending, how much time do you spend thinking on the greatness 
and awesomeness of God. You know? Who overcomes every disease and devil. Who sets people free. Who gives the blind their sight. Who heals the brokenhearted. Who broke the curse of sin. And He lives within you and me. Come on, someone shout amen. Is there someone who's excited about God in this place this morning? Because I am. I am. I'm excited about what God has done in my life. I'm excited what He will do through us as a body of people. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Don't forget Him. Don't forget Him. Remember His mercy, His power, His forgiveness. Tell the person next to you, God is awesome. Don't forget it. God is awesome. Don't forget it. Can I have the band, please? And the worship team. I want to give you one last thing this morning. One last thing this morning on how to defeat discouragement. And I love this. It's Nehemiah's words to the people. His word is, fight, fight, fight. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let go. Fight, fight. See, Nehemiah says to the people and the Holy Spirit says to you and I today, don't quit, don't give in, fight, fight. See, the scripture is clear. The scripture is clear. It says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness. We wrestle People, you and I, we're involved in a wrestling match. We're involved in a fight throughout the New Testament. Throughout the New Testament, it says things like, take up the full armor of God. Why do you take it up? Because you need it. You need it. Stand your ground. Resist the devil. Fight the fight of faith. This morning, if you're battling with discouragement, if you're in a battle with that thing, there's some doorways you need to close in your life. There's some doorways that you need to close. You reorganize your life in a way that makes sense. You make it a priority to reconnect with people. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord and you fight. Because people, if you haven't read it, I have. It's at the end of the book. And it says we win, we win, we win, we win, we win. Come on, someone shout amen. Come on, someone shout hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Stand to your feet this morning. Say, God, 